All right, just thinking a lot over that that last song. What a beautiful, powerful, wonderful name. Wow. Just thinking of such a such a powerful name. Stop and think about what's happened to radio, television, even newspapers, the few that are still in existence, <laughs> that the enemy's scared to death to even have his name mentioned over the airwaves. You know, we were watching some old old TV from time to time, which actually a lot of the old TV programs, and it's amazing how many of them, they mentioned God, they prayed before their meals. You don't see that now. Anyway, all right, we'll get a, get to what we were here for tonight. Back, get back to our study, back in the in the groove, so to speak. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Does that show my age? Does that mean I'm groovy? You know, get back in the groove. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I feel better now. Okay. Uh, we have you know gone through the first five churches of the uh, seven churches of Asia. And uh, what I was asked to do tonight was to kind of summarize the letters to the, those first five churches. <clears throat> Basically, I guess, you know, because we've had a couple weeks, we've kind of been off and out of the, the swing of things with other things that we've uh, been doing here. And I uh, thought, okay, it sounds like a good deal. Um, a lot of times when I teach, particularly if I've got like a, s- a small classroom situation, I end up... Uh, rather than doing a lot of talking, I try to get the class involved. I, uh, some people like that, and some people say, I'm not going back to his class. And he asks questions. You know? <laughs> but I thought maybe we'd take a little different uh, approach to it tonight. Uh, when we look at the book of Revelation, there's probably as many different thoughts that go through people's minds as there are people in here tonight. I was just kind of, kind of curious as we start out. If you can remember, you know, back when uh, you, you first got got saved, first give your life to the Lord. I say that because looking out here, I see people that have been saved for a while. I don't see any any brand new Christians out here tonight. Uh, just curious, what did you think of when you, somebody talked about the Book of Revelation when you back then, and what do, what do you think of now when you hear somebody talk about Revelation? That means don't be shy because I'm going to be quiet and wait for somebody to speak up now. Okay. 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 <laughs> I'll catch the next one. And, okay. and guys, I, I know this might be intimidating to use the microphone, but since we are live and people are watching, I want to make sure that they're hearing what you're saying. And you might not want them to, but we we want them to. Okay. Somebody else. What what did what did you used to think of, and what do you think of today when you think, heard heard hear about Revelation? Don't be shy. 
You know you're dying to say something, Dan. <laughs> Growing up, Revelations honestly was a book that really nobody went to. And now I'm glad that we are going to it, and I don't feel so sprayed. Because, you know, back then, they really, you didn't hear about it in church. I, at least I didn't hear preachers preach on it, and my dad was a preacher. So, you know, it's, uh, it's very different today than it was growing up. So... When I was a teenager, and they were would discuss Revelation um, in church, I, re, I remember they would always say, well, you know, you're really young, and you can't understand it, you know, and it, would, it might scare you to death, you know. And back then, it could kind of be scary because the way they talked about it. But now, I understand it more as I've gotten older, and actually, we can see some of the things that's going on in our world today that a lot of stuff is coming to pass. I was raised in church, but I wasn't always saved. So the thought of revelation, you know, that these things were coming did bring a lot of fear in my life because I wasn't living the way I should have been living. Uh, but now, uh, older, recognizing that's almost exciting because I feel like we're living in this this present time where we're seeing so many things come to life and are real that it's, it's exciting now. It's, it's like, man, we're, we're getting close. And uh, I don't walk in that fear of, is this the end? I walk in the excitement as this could be the beginning, you know. Amen. Amen. As a, as a child, like you said, growing up in church, as a child, when I would hear about the book of Revelation and all of these things, I would worry about my little brother being here alone, nobody to take care for him. Because I knew I was going. I knew Mama and Daddy were going. You know, Morgan was going too. But Matthew, I didn't know where he was. <laughs> she just threw him under the bus. Matthew, I hope you watch this. <laughs> okay. Anybody else? I think as a kid, the most terrifying thing was the being taught out of Revelation was the mark of the beast. You know, getting left behind and you have to choose to deny the mark and suffer versus, you know, accepting the be the mark and then living. But um, like everyone else, being in this present time, you see the things that are happening that are tales of it's coming and it's not really a fear i mean it's still a fear because you know you the god our god is patient he's slow well why is he patient why is he slow because he wants everybody to come to the lord he doesn't want anybody to go to hell so he's slow in his return but he is still coming eventually he will come and redeem his church and for those that are left behind that's a going to be a scary situation it's you know it's going to be 
And, you know, the, the revelation that we need to be busy about bringing as many people into the kingdom as we can. That's a, that's a scary thought. Amen. At the moment of the twinkling of an eye. That's pretty quick. <laughs> Better be ready. Amen. Good. You know, there's a kind of a recurring theme, particularly with the time of being younger and hearing about Revelation, recurring uh, a lot of mystery or um, fear. Uh, you know, there's always somebody that kind of seems to put everybody else in awe because we've got all these hidden hidden messages here and hidden meanings and they begin to explain them you know and people said wow wow never thought of that you know and a lot of times people kind of get the impression it's uh, I've even heard preachers say well you know it's not a book that's really meant to be understood there's a lot there that's not not for us to to really grasp quite quite yet at this time Chapter 1, verse 1, says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. You know, the, the message there is a revealing, the revealing of Jesus, revealing of the Messiah. God gave it, to make it plain, make it plain to his servants what's about to happen. He published it, he delivered it by an angel to his servant John. I mean, what's the word revelation mean? Reveal? Uh, I don't usually do this, but I got into Webster's Dictionary. It says, uh, you know, the first thing is revealing, an act of revealing communicating divine truth, something that's revealed by God to humans. Second, second definition, an act of revealing to view or making known something that is revealed, especially an enlightening or astonishing disclosure, a pleasant, often enlightening surprise. And number three, when it's capitalized, and, and, excuse me, an apocalyptic writing addressed to early Christians of Asia Minor and included as a book of the New Testament called the Apocalypse. You don't hear Revelation called the Apocalypse very much anymore. It used to be, you know, some of the old Bibles actually would have the Apocalypse written in there where it says Revelation. The reason I, I read that is because by scriptural definition of its itself, the book, Jesus is revealing what was given to him to share with his followers. And things concerning the end time events, we all know that, things that would take place. And he sent a message to John by an angel to record it for everybody else. If it wasn't something we're meant to understand, it wasn't something we're meant to know, wasn't something that we could figure out, uh, why didn't they just, instead of naming it Book of Revelation, you know, call it, well, the Book of Hidden Mysteries. The Book of Mysteries, the Book of Wonders. It says it's Revelation. And people shy away from it 
Um, some of them I wish would shy away from it. You hear some of the things they teach. But, you know, I mean, there's some people out there teaching things out of Revelation that I haven't found in there yet, you know. Fortunately, we've got a good good biblical body here that's, you know, teaching good doctrine. But if, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> but these things are something that was meant to be known. And if we shy away from it, we cheat ourselves. There's a blessing that's proclaimed upon those that read this book and that follow, follow God's direction, follow his word. And I think a lot of time the, the uh, preachers and Sunday school teachers that don't want to teach it and kind of shy away from teaching are basically just saying, I don't really understand this well enough. I'm not confident enough in my understanding to share it with other people. Uh, I don't know if I could stand up to having questions asked of me about it. So there may be a lot of reasons why people don't teach it. But key, you know, if nothing else, keep in mind, though, that first verse, it says what it's all about. And uh, I just wanted to look over the uh, first, first three verses here, and then we'll get into the churches. Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. We've read one already. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servant things which must shortly come to pass, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. You know, it's not only a revealing of Jesus as the Messiah, not only a revealing of end time events, but he's, you know, published this and delivered it and said that, you know, those that read it, those that hear it, those that keep the things that are written in it, have a blessing. When this was written, it said, the time is at hand. You know, God's concept of time and ours is crazy. <laughs> We've got... Wish I had a piece of string up here. Anyway, um, our concept of time is linear. You know, you take like a piece of string. Imagine I got one here, <laughs> but you got a piece of string. There's a beginning. There's an end. And some people say, "Well, God's concept of time is like you take it, move it around, and you got a circle." In all honesty, I believe God's concept of time is you, you wad that string up and can go from any point in it to any other point at any time. It all connects. It's all relative. It all reflects back and forth on each other. And God doesn't care what part of that string we're in, what part we're, we're working on. He can see us. He can, he can understand us. He can feel us. He knows what's going to happen. He knows what already happened. He knows what's going through our minds. And... To, to our idea of, well, you know, Scripture says clearly, you know, that a, a day with the Lord is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. But even that doesn't come close to giving a good concept of what time is like to God. 
We're here for a very, very little bit. And the purpose of this book clearly is to bless the reader and forewarn him or her by encouraging believers so we continue to follow the, the right direction, the right teachings and the examples until the very end. And we don't just, you know, hang on for a little bit. Remember when I was a kid, there was a program, Wide World of Sports. You know, any of you remember that? Come on, I'm not, I'm not, some of you here older than me, you got to. You know. But there was a part, part on it when they did the introduction that they, they talked about the contestants grasping victory out of the jaws of defeat. Well, Christians kind of got it backward. Christians, we've got a good habit of, or a bad habit, of grasping defeat right out of the jaws of victory. We're right on the edge of winning, right about to get what it is that we're looking for, right about to, to see God move in a way that we've been looking for him to move and waiting for him to move, and we give up. This is so we don't give up. This is so we know what's coming. And as bad as some of it sounds, it's all good in the end. And a lot of that stuff that sounds so bad and so terrible, you know, pardon me for sounding a bit like a smart aleck, but <laughs> praise God, we're not going to be here for it. <laughs> That's somebody else's problem. We'll be gone before a lot of that ever takes place. So he... He sends this message, and he starts out letting us know that it is a revelation, what its purpose is, and then he writes a letter to the uh, seven churches, seven, there seven literal churches that were uh, on, the, on the earth, on the planet, in John's time. And the, uh, there's a literal purpose and spiritual significance to each one of these churches in reference to the present-day church. It's not just something that applied back then and it was over and done with. Uh, it was to communicate with the literal churches, the purpose to meet their needs at that time, and actually reveal seven types of churches, or, uh, and, I'll put it this way, and or individuals throughout history and instruct them in God's truth. There's a, a questionable uh, third purpose. Some, some say that uh, the purpose of it was to reveal seven periods in church history. And although you certainly could find seven periods of church history in, in the seven churches, um, the problem with it is each church, each and, each and every one of them describes issues that could fit into practically any church at any time in history. So, I'm not going to argue with anybody about the third purpose, but I, I think it's a little iffy that that's uh, actually a reason for it being written. There's similarities in each letter. Um, each is located, each church in a Roman province of Asia. Uh, you can put that slide up, that map of Turkey. Um, the province of Asia, a Roman province, called Asia Minor, is now Turkey. And you can see the red dots showing where each of the churches were located at. Um, sorry, it's about to 
best map I could find as far as size-wise to show them. Um, each one of these, if you got a you know Bible that's got maps in the back of it, if you look at the churches that Paul established, you find out each one of these was in the field of labor that Paul and the others that followed immediately after the apostles worked in. This is the this is the early beginning of us. These churches is where we came from. We didn't just uh, you know pop up one day. Somebody decided to start churches in America. But think from this, I mean, all the way over in Turkey, these seven churches, they hung on. They hung in there. They spread the gospel to the point that it moved all over Turkey, that it moved all over Asia, that when we finally discovered America, you know, it came with us. It was spread. And then we've reached, you know, today's church kind of like, yeah, hallelujah, there's, there's missionaries and there's people out there preaching the gospel and I'm, I'm so glad, you know, we're doing our part for the Lord. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I go to church on Sunday and Wednesday. Do you hear people talking about the Lord like you used to? I don't. I mean, you know, I grew, I grew up Catholic. So everybody in the neighborhood that even remotely knew the Lord was trying to get me saved. Not that I was a bad kid, but, you know, uh, we, we won't go there. <laughs> but, I mean, they, people walked around knocking on doors, handing out pamphlets. They went around inviting people to church and to vacation Bible school and, to, you know, come, come eat our, our chili at our chili supper and all kinds of stuff. We've lived in our home I think probably about 17, 18 years now. I can count on one hand the number of times somebody's come to our door to talk about anything remotely connected with the Lord. We need to get back to working. Working like the church worked in Revelation. So I don't remember anybody teaching about all of that when the, in the, as we went through the churches. Go back and restudy it. We'll get to some things here in a minute about what to, what they did and what they didn't do. Um, each one of these addresses the angel. It says, unto the angel of the church of blank, right. Then the question comes up, and it was a question you know, I, I, I used to wonder about. So, okay, I don't get this. An angel... Let me go back and read this. Look, yeah, it says an angel. I said there in the in the, the first chapter, in the first verse, an angel dictated this to John. John wrote it down, and then John was told to share it with the angels of the church. I mean, an angel saying, "Write this letter to the angel of such and such a church." What's an angel need to dictate to a man to tell another angel something? Never quite got that through my head. Uh, sounding crazy. 
but the, the, uh, the, the word that's translated angel there, uh, actually, ang- angelos, has a little bit more meaning than what we think of. It doesn't it refer to uh, some character in a white robe with fancy, super bright, feathery wings that flies around the place. Um, the definition of an angel, actually in uh, Hebrews 1.14, is talking about angels in the 13th verse, and it comes up in verse 14, it says, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be the heirs of salvation. These ministering spirits can be supernatural beings. Uh, we're told several places in the Bible about angels visiting people. And we're warned, be careful that you might entertain angels unaware. My wife and I have had a few occasions where you know, we look back on and think, well, you know, I think maybe this or that person that we got involved with might have been an angel. But that word that is translated angel means not only that flying around character we spoke of, but by implication, it means pastor. So the angel is actually giving John a message to write and then to deliver to the pastors of each of these churches. Uh, each, one's, each one's complimented. There's some things that are similar in each letter. Um, there's, a, there's a chart there shows an overview. I don't know if you can read that from back there or not. I was afraid it wouldn't be quite big, big enough to read. Um, Ephesus it tells the church, the meeting, complaint, compliment, and promise reward. Those things are common with each, each church. Ephesus, uh, the meaning of the name was uh, desirable, lovely. And each church, except for one, the Lord had a complaint about. Uh, they complained about... Ephesus says they had lost their first love. They also had a compliment for them, said that uh, they hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Each one of these churches were promised a reward also. The Ephesus was promised a tree of life. And Smyrna got a name that talks about uh, fragrances. Uh, it's the church that there was no complaint against. Lord, love it if that's our church. Wonder if we could fit in that one. Hmm? Think of that. God's got all complaint about all these churches except this one. I dare say, I dare say there might be a little jealousy crop up there to be dealt with after this. You know. Uh, so they were rich in good works. They'd received the crown of life, escaped the second death. What a compliment. What a compliment to say that I've noticed you're rich in good works. You haven't been bragging about it. 
If they'd been bragging about it, they never would have made it to, to that, that point. It's what God expects of us, to do good works, to be rich in good works to the point that other people notice it, that other churches notice it, that we don't have to go about and pat ourselves on the back. And that's truth enough that he's, he's willing to pat us on the back. Well, it disappeared there, but... <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, Pergamus says so they, they were tolerant. Tolerance of uh, Balaam, tolerance of just paganism in general. So that's, that's a complaint that was given against him. But they said they did not deny Christ's name or faith. Even though within their very own church, there were people that they didn't hold up, uh, didn't hold up their end of the bargain, so to speak. Within the church, the people that practiced paganism, that practiced uh, Baal worship, people that would compromise and say, well, it's okay, uh, you, you know, you don't have to be totally sold out to the Lord, you can partake in all these other things that look appealing with other religions. And in the midst of a church like that comes a, the compliment that when you were persecuted, when people came against you as a church, you didn't deny the faith. As a church, you stood up for what, what Christ had said. Then we had Thyatira. They were tolerant of uh, Jezebel, tolerant of idolatry. Uh, as it was mentioned, as, um, immorality was a big thing with them. But their compliment, good works, love, faith, and patience were also a big thing in that church. How odd. I think so many of these churches, the compliment and the complaint, it's like with a complaint that was lodged against them, the compliment sounds like they did something just exactly the opposite. Of course, you know, that's not a whole lot like Christians today. I can't speak for everybody here, but I know when, you know, I've been being caught doing something, something I shouldn't, something bad, and I want to go to the opposite end and do whatever, whatever good's on the opposite. I, maybe it's that human desire to try to equal things out or something, you know. But the uh, uh, fifth church there, is one that uh, Kim shared with us right before we took a break, was uh, Sardis. What a complaint. Dead works. Wow. Can you imagine the Lord sending a letter to the church saying, well, I've got some good things to say about you and some bad, you know. Not on the good side, I want you all to know. Look, look at that. There's, there's a few of you. There's, there's you know, been some defiling going on, but there's a few of you that you've held, held tight, you've held strong. A few have not defiled themselves. But for the most part, folks, you've got a dead church here. That would just, you know, that would just floor me. 
have somebody that knows, somebody in authority, not just somebody railing accusations. None of these were empty things, empty threats, empty accusations that somebody had heard. It's not gossip. This is coming direct from God, saying there's a problem in the church, and this is a problem. I won't go into those last two because we've, we've still yet to, to study them. But each one of these churches was also promised a reward. And I think that's the, the neat part about this. With all the, the bad that was mentioned, there's some, some good, but you've got rewards promised, say, a tree, the tree of life, a crown of life, escape the second death. Another one's told, you'll eat of the, the hidden manna. You'll receive a white stone and have a, a new name on it. Another one says, you'll have power over nations. Another one says, you're going to receive white raiment. Your name's in the book of life. You know, no matter how bad we get, no matter how down we get, no matter how much we mess up, goof up, whatever you want to refer to it as, fall flat on our face. God seems like he should, you know, pick us up, spank our bottom, give us a, a good stern lesson, stand us in the corner. But what, what's he do? He gets us up, dusts off our, our backside, and says, okay, now, go on, try again. Go on. Hang in there. And if we fall again, he picks us up again. The big difference in these churches and uh, you know churches that just God would just plain, shall we say, give up on, for lack of a better term, is the fact there were people there that tried. There were people there that still loved him. There were people there who were willing to accept whatever whatever it was that God said. They were willing to hear. You know, each, each book closes with the instructions to hear what the Spirit says. But it didn't say to hear what the Spirit has got to say to your church and pay attention to it, although that's certainly, certainly implied. When we read the closing of you know, each of these each of these churches says, hear what the Spirit says to all the churches. John was to deliver this message, but the message that he delivered to the church of Ephesus, the church of Thyatira was also to read. Message that Samaria, or church of uh, Smyrna got, uh, church of Philadelphia was supposed to read that too, along with all the rest of them. It wasn't a big secret. God wanted each church to know specifically and individually what their, their strong points were, what their weak points were, but he also wanted all the other churches to know. Get back to question time. Why do you, why do you reckon he would do that? He's told the church what's good, what's bad, what they need to do. So why tell the other churches? Any thoughts? Yeah, Jay? 
because there's a little bit of all of them in every church. You have young believers that have just gotten saved, and so they're on fire for God, but you have some that have been in church forever and might have fallen asleep. So in each and every diagraphic, demographic church, there's still those individualities in, in each and every person that each person is having to work out in them of themselves. So that's why I think they're allowed to read the, about the other churches is because you can examine yourself and say, okay, where do I fit in? Am I like the Laodicea church? Am I lukewarm? You know? Or am I the church of Ephesus? I've lost my first love. So it's a, it's a, a tool that we can use as the modern church to examine ourselves and say, God, where am I? Show me where I'm at and help me to fall back in love with you or help me in my, with the dead works or just whatever. That's good. That's good. Any other thoughts? Okay. That's good. I was going to say that, you know, um, being that we are the church, these are somewhat personalities that you find in the church and um, piggybacking the, the fact that, you know, the, these are definitely personalities that we can find within every individual church or congregation because we are the church. Something we definitely have to, you know, guard ourselves with and, and truly say, stay submitted to the Lord to keep from straying into those areas. When's the last time you were talking to somebody about your church or about church in general? And as you were in the, the, the throes of the conversation, I'm not, not saying they're saying bad stuff about their church, but they're just uh, sharing with you the, some of the problems that they've had and how they've overcome. Getting a bunch of looks like a calf looks at a new gate, you know. <laughs> just in general, if you you're just talking to somebody about church, and they, uh, you know, it's not the normal thing for them to come up and tell you, well, yeah, well, you know, we've we've had a problem with, uh, you know, there's there've been a lot of folks in our church that. Uh, used to drink and they got out and they had a drunken party and, and you know, they can go on and tell you how God worked in that situation. So where are you headed at there? Where I'm headed is basically if they do say something about a problem in the church, it's usually because they're complaining and they're dissatisfied in their church. It's usually gossip even. What was written in these letters, the bad points, wasn't gossip. There's some valid points that needed to be corrected. And if, if God wanted each church to share in that information, he wanted each church 
to see what the problems were in the other churches and what the strong points were in the other churches. What do you think that tells us about talking about our church today? I'm going to make Pastor nervous here. Pardon? <laughs> he can reprimand me next week. But I'm going to say, first church, they lost their love. Where is everybody? This is Wednesday night. Where is everybody? you got to beg them to come to church. They've lost their first love. Now, I'm not picking on any individual. There's all kinds of legitimate reasons. Right. But Jeopardy's not one of them. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, you can call me in later. I won't ask how you know what's on TV Wednesday nights. <laughs> and most of the time, the people who have a lot of bad things to say about church or churches are people who never get off their duff. They never do anything. They never participate. They don't work to make things better. And sometimes you just want to say, you know, if you want to complain... Maybe you ought to be getting in there and doing something. Then it, maybe it wouldn't be so bad. But um, anyway, we're thrilled to be here. <laughs> you know, I always try to encourage people to be a part of the solution. You know, um, when, when I look at things around and see what can we do to do something better, I always try to think of it in a, an idea of, what is the solution to help that issue? And, and if we come, up, come with each situation that we think of that maybe brings a frustration or a, there's a, a need, usually there's, with, there, with a complaint, usually, usually there's a need to be met. And if you consider that, that that's normally the underlying issue, there's a need that needs to be met, it's not being met, then you can value the person's complaint, quote-unquote, to really get to the bottom of where where the issue is, but ultimately, you know, what is the solution? You know, and I, I know that men are fix-it people, and there's some things that we can't fix. Some things is a heart issue that really has to be, you know, the Lord just really needs to get a hold of some people. But but um, but ultimately, you know, Lord, show us the solutions to be able to reach our community. Show us, you know, the path. Give us the direction. You know. And I hope and pray that, you know, that, that we all remain humble enough to receive, whether it be rebuke from the Lord, whether it be, you know, correction or direction. You know, that's, that's, what, that's what our hope is, is that we'll remain humble enough to receive that. I don't think that's just this church. I think it's a nationwide. I'm repeating what you're saying. That's right. It's it's nationwide, worldwide. Right. You know, it's not just our church. So I'm, I would never criticize no. a co-a marable church of God. Yeah, yeah I mean, my Came coworker later. and I were discussing that today. We we were like, you know, no one wants to do the Wednesday and Sunday night anymore. I mean, you barely have anyone. So it's not just our church. It's local churches everywhere. I believe the world has got a hold of people and they feel like they don't need this, you know, one and done on Sunday morning and, you know, and, and that's sad. And, you know, it's sad that we don't have that. 
Where, where's the desire there? You know, and 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 I get some some people's mentality is that, you know, this place is not the only place you find your strength. You know, hopefully we're in our word every day at home as well. You know, this is not the only feeding that we get, but this is the place where we as a body come together to encourage one another. This that's when the word says in Hebrews ten, don't forsake the assembling of yourself together. You know, I get traditionally, you know, Sundays, Wednesdays, those are traditional times. But honestly, I think, man, if if there's a get-together over at Dan's house, dude, I want to be there, you know. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, the, those are the things that we really need to work on is making sure that we are a part of each other's journey, that we're part of each other's life, uh, encouraging one another. Well, these, you know, these churches... As we've said, you know, they had problems. They went through some problems. Every church we know of, like Dan says, it's, it's a national problems, not just local. But there's a difference between criticizing and complaining about the church and recognizing where a problem exists and how God had moved to overcome that problem. That's the part we don't hear that often. Churches don't like to admit failure. Even if they failed, they fell flat on their face with something, a particular ministry, and it wanted to start it and it didn't work out. They don't want to admit they failed and then God showed them something else to do. All they want is the praise for what good things are going on. And folks, I mean, that's just not realistic. It's not honest. When I was sharing the other night uh, a lesson about gratitude, and one of the things that builds up gratitude and thankfulness, if you think of it that way, is the struggles that we go through. We go through them, we become a little stronger. We go through them and we realize what has happened and how God has moved, and we get this, we get this thing growing in our personality and in our Christian walk that you don't hear people talk about too much anymore, but used to be they'd even have special meetings just so you could give your testimony. I remember, you know, we'd have a testimony, and I'd say, all right, somebody give a testimony. Boy, there'd be like popcorn. I mean, you know, three, four, five people stand up anxious to tell what the Lord has done. Now, if you want dead silence in the church, just ask somebody and say, somebody want to give a testimony? You'll hear the crickets. I mean, you know. Save, sanctified, fill the Holy Ghost and fire. <laughs> there are some people used to say exactly that every time you call on them. And as a young Christian, you want to think, God, you doing anything? Well, I mean, are you doing anything for him, God? What's going on here? But they were sincere. Some of them, that's just the way they were taught. But we have a testimony. And that testimony includes failure. Our church has a testimony. And that testimony includes some failures. There's been some things we've tried that didn't work. There have been some things we're doing now that at first didn't work out right. Uh, well, CR is probably a good example of that. You know, right at first, it's kind of like, I don't know whether this is going to work or not. Look like all all the good reasons for it, to, why it ought to, but it's, I don't know. It's, I don't know. Well, now we've got a, a 
growing, and uh, I, I say healthy CR because we're, uh, from what I've been told, we're right, right about average as far as the numbers of people that show up regularly. There's something going on in this church right now that we may not even be aware of. Now, a pastor gets together with the with people and comes up with these ideas, and all of a sudden, boom, here it is, you know. <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't heard anything about it, and then all of a sudden there's an idea, and people get behind it. But there's going to be some that don't. There are going to be some that, I dare say, even here, some people that complain. Some people say, I don't think that's going to work, you know. Well, that ain't the way we done it when I was, you know, trying, trying to... Uh, to set up a children's ministry or something, you know, that's, that's not the way we've done it. Well, why aren't you doing it now then? If you know how to do it, why aren't you in there doing it, you know? What I'm trying to get at, folks, this idea of an overview of the ch these churches, the overview of these five churches, and actually an over you could say an overview of all seven of the churches, is pretty much an overview of Alcoa Maryville Church of God because you can find all of it here. Yeah. Good, bad, and ugly. We won't say who the last one is, but yeah. Uh, how do you overcome the last two, the bad and the ugly? You know, well, the ugly, I guess, makeup works, you know. But. I shouldn't have said that. I'm going to have some lady to get me after church now. No. <laughs> but just what we were talking about, recognizing, recognizing the things that are good, recognizing the things that are going on well, recognizing the compliments that could be paid in, and are paid to our congregation are things that we can share with other people. And when something bad does come up, and not shy away from it, not try to discount it, not say, oh, no, that didn't happen, or, or you know, well, this, this, I heard, uh, you know, such and such took place in your church one night, and, and, hey, somebody got a bad impression about something? I'm sure it's happened. There's a reason for it. Don't deny it. We need to own up to when we're wrong. But we also need to follow it up with an answer, with a solution, with an invitation. An invitation not just to come back, but an invitation to let us help. Let us show you that there's an alternative. Let us show you there's a different answer. Let us show you there's uh, a different way, or uh, if something wasn't handled right, that there's a different way of handling it. Let us show you that we love you. Let us show you that we care. And as we, if we do that, then we may fit in. Uh, I saw Amber went and made copies of that slide. Thank you. I appreciate that. And were, you've got one church labeled there with no complaint. Maybe we can fit into that position if we'll do more of this, being honest and upright and looking at the good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, areas of sin and, and apostasy that uh, individuals and churches need to be aware of are listed in all those seven churches. 
areas that we need to look out for, areas we need to be aware of. But there's also assurance of blessing as we follow God's direction. Not only the blessing that each individual church received, but the blessing that's promised to us as we read, as we study, as we follow God's will. And there's one other thing I saw in, in all of these letters. I don't believe I ever heard anybody mention. It's not I can get some great grand revelation nobody else has seen, but I just hadn't heard it before. Each of these, each of these letters was also an encouragement to John. So how's that? John was exiled on the Isle of Patmos. And as John was given these letters to write, you remember what he was told to do with them? Deliver them? Send these letters to each of the churches? To me, that had to be an encouragement for John to realize, hey, I'm not going to be stuck here by myself forever. I've got a job to do. I've got letters to deliver, which means I'm going to get the opportunity to get this word out, to get it published, whether it's personal or whether it's through somebody else. There's going to be, there's going to be some more company come here to share this with. God's got something else ahead of me. God's not done with me. God isn't finished. And I'll kind of sum it up with that tonight. That message of that thought. God's not finished, folks. Amen. Amen. Yeah, we're a little down tonight, number-wise. Some Sundays we're down. Some we're up. But whatever it is that's going on in your life, whatever church you might identify with, whatever problem you might identify with, God's got the answer to it. God's got the solution to it. God's wanting to pay you compliments if you'll just listen, if you'll open your ears and hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches, to you, to this church, to all of us. And we can walk in that glory, and we can walk in that encouragement, and we can know, hey, this message is going to get out, and I'm going to be able to take it where it needs to go, because God's not done with me yet. Yeah. Father, I thank you for the word that you've given to us, and thank you for sharing with us, God, your heart, your word. And thank you for sharing the things that we need to hear when we need to hear them. God, I would just ask you to, tonight, Lord, as we've thought about these, these churches and we've thought about the five that we've already we studied, and as we think about the, the next two coming up, Lord, you would help us to see ourselves in them, help us to see our church in them, Help them to see our neighbors, our friends, our relatives. Help us to see not just the bad. Help us to see those compliments, God. Help us to see where, where it is that you see we are, are excelling and where it is we can yet excel and what it is that you have for us to do. Because, God, we want to be a, a part, not just a little part. We want to be a big part, God a big part of your church. We want to be a big part of being a blessing to other people and being a blessing to other churches and other ministries so that your name can be glorified. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Come on, somebody. You know, when I was young, um, I never liked being rebuked by my dad or my parents, right? Did you guys enjoy that? Did you enjoy being spanked and all that good stuff? No. No, I never did. But, you know, uh, becoming a dad has helped me realize that everything my dad did was because he loved me. And so when uh, we receive a rebuke from the Lord or a chastisement, it's only because he loves us. And that's a, that's a blessing. You know, it's not something to degrade us or devalue us or tear us down. You know, I, I went through a, um, I went through a, a fraternity <laughs> uh, when I was at Lee, and they had hell night. Basically, all their, the whole time was just tearing you down. They said, well, we're going to tear you down to build you back up. I'm like, what the? I said, that's not even biblical. I said, guys, that's not even, that's not biblical. What, what are you doing here? I said, our goal is, if, if our goal is to unify and build up, then tearing somebody down is not how that works. But anyway, thank, you, thank the Lord that his desire is to build us up. It's to identify in us. It's pride what keeps us from getting there. It's pride what hinders the rebuke from reaching its goal. But if we'll humble ourselves before him and receive the, the chastisement of the Lord, uh, then what a difference it makes because it helps us to get on the right path. Amen. Good stuff. Thank you so much, Bill. Look forward to next week is Philadelphia. Um, and I'm looking forward to, to hearing that message. God bless you guys. Look forward to seeing you Sunday. Um, going to have a great time. Uh, we're going to be celebrating our local missions. Uh, there's a video uh, we're going to be showing about manna and different ministries. And so uh, come and be a part of that. It, it's, it's unique how it lines up with the send because sending is not always crossing the seas. Sending is sometimes just reaching out to our community. So looking forward to that. God bless you guys. Love each one of you. Be blessed.